0: I find us being petty like on occasion, and then I'm reminded of the fact that even the healthiest couples on the planet are petty and like fight from time to time, and it's just it's just a matter of how they treat the fights and then how they repair after the fact so kind of once again like we're we're kind of hit with we're not trying to judge our fights because every single couple fights, and we, we almost want to start to try and change the conversation on fighting and conflict by saying that conflict is. Is nearly universally healthy for couples because it, when you when especially when you're in a strong conflict, it alerts you and awakes you to the fact that your partner thinks differently than you. Which I, of all people, always get caught in the trap of I'm always right. I'm the I'm the center of the universe. But when Becca so vehemently disagrees about something, I'm like, oh, it like wakes me up for a second. And sometimes she has to wake me up to that fact. But um, it actually is like in the long run a, a very good thing.
1: It's about the idea of what a perfect or what, like, a really great marriage looks like. I think that idea of a great marriage is probably different for a lot of people and, like, what one person might call, like, oh, they had, like, a conflict or a disagreement in front of us or an argument. Other couples might be like, oh, that wasn't any, like, that wasn't (laughs) an argument. So it's, like, it's kind of also perspective um but then also just knowing like nobody's perfect and we're also not saying we're perfect so we don't feel (laughs) like we um we don't feel like we have to show anyone that we're perfect either okay
2: let's do this this is jeff and i'm andre are you ready
1: i'm ready love
2: or work is
3: anyone listening
2: No, don't put that on the air.
3: These two people are really, really funny.
2: This one made me cry.
3: World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA All-Star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or Work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Thanks for uh, listening to us today. If you don't follow us, please take a second right now. Like literally pause, pause this for a second. Go to Instagram and follow at love or work.
2: Yeah, or subscribe. Yeah, right now. Subscribe to the podcast so that you get it in your in-basket every day.
3: And we literally just returned from vacation.
2: Yes, we did.
3: Literally like 48 hours ago. You're still tan. Puerto Rico. You're still tan. I am starting to peel. (laughs) Of course. And this is really important, right? Like to take time to be together as a family. In the midst of our busy work that we both do, we have to have moments where we separate from it yeah, for I multiple proud reasons, of You, you right? did a good job. Yeah, I was just thinking while we you were put gone, your phone away. It, it reminded me why I do this, right? Why you do what? Like all my work. Why, oh, yeah. why it matters. And um, sometimes you have to separate from it to gain, to continue that passion for it.
2: To appreciate it. More. Yeah, to appreciate it. I agree.
3: So was it good for you?
2: It was great. It's my favorite place on earth so yes it brings back all my memories of childhood and going there to see my grandparents and so and i get to speak spanish again Mm. just makes me all kinds of happy my inner latina all comes out
3: wow you just did that with a a really special kind of sexy
2: accent that is my latina Mm. all right today we are interviewing steve and becca Deed sick. And they have um, basically founded the Lasting app, which is a relationship marriage uh, counseling app. Yeah. It's really uh, been pretty cool to go through and to navigate. And um, it is really easy. It's simple. And it takes like five minutes every week or every day, however much you want to do it. And um, I think it's it's a really great option for people who maybe can't afford marriage counseling, um, but this is a really easy and functional way to do it. You so, kind of
3: pushed out some envelopes in this in this uh, this interview.
2: I well, you know, I'm a little cynic inside, a little so angsty
3: sometimes.
2: I like to get a little gritty.
3: You were kind of you were kind of ready. You were kind of geared up. A couple questions there. <laughs> I was like, wow, Andre, here we go. I'm just going to lay back and let you lead.
2: There we go. That's how you do.
3: <laughs> okay, well, this is going to be fun. I hope you enjoy this interview. Before we get into it, we have to tell you that part of this, and I i mean, honestly, everybody listening to this is going to totally, they we've all had this moment. They had their child with them, one not quite one years old. Yes. And you hear baby going back and forth. They're kind of. Baby Josie. They're literally dancing in the background. They're
2: doing that mama rock, you know, like (laughs) standing there. I can't see their faces. I see the Like we were looking at both of their stomachs. And they're just like rocking back and forth. And then they're like handing the baby back and forth. But listen, they live in New York City. They've probably got this like 400 square foot apartment. Nowhere to go. And they're hustling. And they're hustling. Yeah. And they got a little baby. And it's not like you can just put the babies, you know, somewhere else in this little tiny apartment. So
3: so have some grace with them. Have some grace with this podcast knowing they got a one-year-old literally in their arms as they're answering our questions. And Andre's pushing them they some questions.
2: Yes. But Josie was very cute. Yeah, so. she's
3: totally cute. Um, All right, okay. what
2: should we be listening for? Three things. Number one, they, they give the number
3: one mistake for couples that just had kids. I like it. I'm not giving it away yet. Number gotta two. Listen, gotta listen. Gotta listen. Uh, number two, they talk about their first date. and
2: <laughs> I know what you're going to say.
3: And holding back puke.
2: Yeah, that's a good story. And number three,
3: I asked them a question. Because in this app, you get to kind of self-select what you want to do and what you want to work on. So they gave Choose us... Choose
2: your own marriage adventure.
3: Yeah, they gave us the top things that people click on, um, which I think is interesting because it kind of shows what... It's like when, you know, you don't you want to ask a question to someone, but you can't. So you go to an app and you click on it instead. They kind of <laughs> talk about that, right?
2: There you go. There you go. So here we go. This is Steve and Becca Dietzik.
0: So, I saw Becca for the very first time on in Manhattan on 22nd Street in between 8th and 9th Avenues after an even sung service at our church. I'm usually, our church was like hyper social, and so she would be on like the sidewalk surrounded by a group of people. Um, and I just like, I saw her. I like, like a Pavlovian response just started walking to her with absolutely nothing to say. Um, but I, I like literally, I think it interrupted the entire conversation and was like, hi, I'm Steve. (laughs) Like really happy and didn't quite know how to respond. But she was like, oh, hi. Um, Any case, so I like didn't ask her out then, but I knew I wanted to. And so I kept trying to find like the space and the time to ask her out while she was apart from her friends because it's weird asking somebody out when they're with other people and friends. But she was just always surrounded by people. She's just this popular, I guess. Um, Anyway, so eventually... I asked her friend if I could have her phone number. Her friend, wanting to, to go around here, is what I'm saying yeah. precisely. Yeah. Um, it
1: was a mutual friend. Yeah, it was a mutual
0: friend. Um, and her friend, wanting to save face for me, <laughs> thought Becca like would just say no immediately. And so, and so she's like, you know, Steve, um, I think you should just Facebook her. Like that would, you know, Becca just got out of a relationship not some time ago, and it would just be like easier way to approach it. Cause like a phone call can be, I don't know, in your face. Mm-hmm. And so um, against my better instinct. I did Facebook her. The only good thing about this in retrospect is that our initial contact is all recorded. <laughs> like it's like, we yeah. can like look at it. So I reached Pretty out to her beautiful. and um, was like, hey, we'd love to grab a drink. And to her credit, she's always been very direct with me and was like, hey, by get a drink, do you mean date? Um, Cause you should know I don't want a boyfriend. But I hear oh, No. Oh, I said, I'm
1: not dating right now. Not that I don't want a boyfriend, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, No, I'm not really interested in dating anyone right now. I'm like I'd been in the city for probably three years at that point and I had always kind of been some form of a relationship. And like during that time I had also um I'd kind of found my faith again. And so I was like, I don't wanna date anyone. I kinda of just wanna like spend time with my girls and strengthen those relationships blah 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 but you know our friend Steph says you're a really great guy so let's go get a drink together there we go on a Friday night this was the key to this whole equation after an all church gathering so we ended up going just for friend drinks at 9 p.m on a Friday night Um, but
0: but when she initially replied with like that sentiment I was like holy cow this is a zero risk uh, opportunity she's like Put it out there. She didn't want to date anybody, but invited me to get a drink with her. Um, so I was like, this is opportunity of a lifetime right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, the day that she was available for drinks was a Friday night. And I was like, okay, this is like date and written all over it. Um, so we met up at 8 or 8.30 and um, we're getting cocktails at a bar. And that 8.30 turned into... Another bar was turned to another bar and I ended up hailing her a cab at four thirty AM.
1: <laughs> wow. And then it ended. He like went in for a hug. I could definitely like hold my liquor a lot better than him. I was at about that point. to throw I was
0: like about to throw up. I was yeah. like took everything, like everything within me not to like literally barf on her as the date ended. <laughs> <laughs>
1: blame him for this but like we you know we're going in for a hug but he was going like straight on and not like to the side so I thought he was going to kiss me so I ended up like kissing him like, on the mouth like <laughs> sideways and it was like a weird sloppy like accident. <laughs> I don't
0: know like I didn't just do that yeah it was an awful kiss I don't actually count that as <laughs> the first
1: kiss well yeah but then <laughs> you say that I kissed you and I said it wasn't a date
0: I know the next day I was like guys she kissed me
3: (laughs) she was all over me right all right
1: but at that point clearly we had there was a lot more there than just a friendship and just i mean i think that also that first like date and really long interaction kind of was the very beginning of our relationship and it was
0: set the stage, five like, or
1: six hours
0: you were insanely honest about your past and super
1: like, vulnerable yeah. kind of like all of our like dirty secrets on the table just kind of like fell out um and I think like that was so healthy just for like how our relationship progressed since then because we were both like at a point where we were like I, I want to date to marry someone and not just to like you know, play the field or whatever. Um, So we were both really honest about that. And I think being at that point, we could share a lot more and we felt like we could risk a lot more maybe. Um, And we just felt so comfortable with each other sharing like, oh, these are my, you know, you show me yours, (laughs) I'll show you mine, kind of like these scars that we had. And um,
0: I mean, it was just, it was like a night of honesty. And like, frankly, Becca was hilarious. And I had never ever dated a girl who I both thought was beautiful and hilarious. She made me crack up. And I just remember having the best time and she still cracks me up. So there's so much about that. Well, Les- I
3: mean, let's be honest, everyone's funny after your fourth bar.
0: <laughs> 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 after that, we literally started to date. Um, we, got, we got engaged within eight months. And then um, then married within another eight months.
2: And how many years have you all been married now? We're
0: about to have our fifth yeah, anniversary. Yeah,
2: May, it'll be five. And how many kids? Just this Just born? this one. All little squeals. It's this cutie Josie here. <laughs> oh, There it is.
3: That was on point. There it on is. On point. So you're an entrepreneur. You've started multiple um, businesses and currently working on a business related to, related to marriage.
0: But what advice do you have for people that are
3: in that launch phase of businesses and how that affects your marriage and your family?
0: I had two companies. And with the first one, um, a large part of my identity was wrapped up in the venture itself. Like it was called Hoppit. Uh, it was a restaurant recommendation app we were trying to take on Yelp. And like I'd go to parties and people would be like, oh, look, it's Hoppit. So like that was literally like even my name, like wrapped up in my identity was this sense of, I have to have this startup success. But if you think about it, <laughs> like wrapping your identity in your startup is such a dubious thing. <laughs> like ventures themselves are like ebbing and flowing every day. You're on a mountaintop peak and you're in the trenches and it's something horrible happens. So if you root your identity in your startup, you're just asking for a negative emotional roller coaster. Um. So thankfully, by the time venture number two came along, um, and, uh, and by the way, as a funny side story, Becca would not let me do a startup venture for our first entire 12 months of being married. Um, because of her foresight knowing that this was maybe going to be bad for our relationship.
1: Just feeling like I, I knew that in our first year of marriage, like I needed to be prioritized. Um, and having him having already had experience with one company, of his own, like I knew that he was always, his time was always kind of compromised Mm -hmm. and just, he always had to be on. And so I, for me, it was really important, but that first year of our marriage that he was solely Mm mine.
0: Yeah. Um, and the first venture, in a in a really dramatic way, I can go into the full story if you want, but my identity crumbled <laughs> within that context of that first venture. And so by the time venture number two came along, and I, um, Becca and I were, um, we had a great relationship, and I was just really happy with our life. And I was like, wow, this, my identity in venture number two will not be the center. In fact, like, um, if it, if the venture itself crumbles, like, I know who I am, like, I'm Becca's husband. <laughs> And, like, we're, we're happy and healthy. Um, and so if you look at it from that lens, of course, your marriage takes precedent. It's the thing that comes first because, like, that's the far more important thing now and in the future. Like, when you look back in 50 years, your company is not going to have produced all these wonderful memories and feelings and been the base of your entire life. But my marriage will be. And so um, proper prioritization uh, is kind of key for any entrepreneur.
3: Hey, Becca, you kind of referred to like that first year, you're not going to do a startup. Is that, um, first of all, is that something you recommend to other people? And then secondly, is that because you've seen something go wrong in another relationship? Or like what led you to that? Because that's a pretty insightful thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, at that point, we like knew our love languages. And so like quality time is what stands out to me, though while we were dating, he was just always on his phone. So like always checking emails or always checking and making sure that things were going as he planned, or Mm -hmm. I don't know, just feeling like he always had to be available. I had never dated an entrepreneur before, but like I had, I guess I had recognized in that time that someone always being on their phone in front of me was getting quality time with someone else you know having a phone all the time or always being distracted and I guess that I just really felt very passionately about him not having a startup during that first year.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you would spot on like startups have the the tendency to just completely warp your sense of priorities So is why I keep going back to this thing like know that your marriage is your first priority above the startup you have to know that cognitively because emotionally you're not always going to feel that way. There's this huge distance between what you know and like what you feel in the midst of this roller coaster of a startup. And so like with every good intention, I've known that my marriage was the first priority, but I could have like based on like the whim of an investor or a client that might've changed on a moment's notice. Um, so I think like, even though I was honestly kind of pissed at Becca. For, uh, well, and
1: he did kind of break the rule a little I, bit just yeah. by researching two different fields, like, things that he was starting to get interested in, like he started to do research and like that could be in his free time, but I think. Mm -hmm. So no startup in the first year,
2: and then we come around to how did this new venture, Lasting, come about?
0: My first company that I mentioned um, (laughs) exited somehow, even though we made a billion mistakes, it exited to um, The Knot. And The Knot's the, the biggest wedding brand in the country. And, uh, and so, you know, we really valued user-centered design at The Knot. And so we would view hundreds of couples um, in, in a calendar year and delve into the midst of their relationship uh, wedding planning journey, uncover problems in the wedding planning process so we could solve them. And throughout those interviews, um, we realized a few really interesting things that we didn't expect would come out of the wedding planning process. One is that um, a lot of our couples wanted relationship therapy because they were so stressed out and they started to fight more with their partners in the process of wedding planning. And the second one was perhaps even more interesting is that the, the vast majority of the couples that we interviewed uh, didn't even really understand what it took to build a healthy, happy, lifelong relationship, even though they wanted that foundation. So that was the first thing. Um, the entrepreneur in me was like, wow, this, there could be a huge opportunity here. And the sister brand at the knot is called the bump and the bump is the number one app for um, pregnant couples. And they told me kind of in a coffee chat that the number one request for information on their site was relationship struggles with baby. Um, so then on our side, um, you know, to be a little bit more vulnerable um, Becca's parents got divorced and we were acutely aware that, um, you know, children of divorce are and more likely to get divorced themselves and we weren't doing poorly, but a lot of our fights were certainly explosive in year one. Um, and so I found myself wondering like, is there something we should be doing? And so everything kind of came together. Um, and I was like, it, now we're in year three of marriage, so it's, it's, it's okay for me to have a venture. And so at this point, I was very open with Becca about like, my passion. And, and then, you know, I, uh, we ended up raising just a small amount of money from uh, investors here in New York. And then when we did that, it gave me enough confidence to put in my notice um, at The Knot to go and quit, to found a new company. So yeah, when I did that, the CEO of The Knot, um, told me something I had no clue that he was cooking up. He had commissioned three marriage therapists uh, six months prior to this moment to figure out if The Knot could actually help alleviate the divorce rate. Um, and so there was this really deeply serendipitous moment where he was like, well, I couldn't have just thrown you onto a crapshoot venture, but now that you've severed your contract, this opens up a host of interesting possibilities. And so The Knot ended up um, backing the the entire venture. Um, it really set us up for success because we realized that if we could actually learn how to help marriages through a very simple product that we would have this massive distribution channel at our disposal that touches 80% of every marriage in America.
1: That process or that option kind of required some give and take between us.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Thank you so much for mentioning that. Yeah. Um,
1: I definitely note for content here. I had a really great, I mean, it was a great job for everything that it was as far as financially and the position I was in and at a young age, um, but I also just felt like I wanted to be doing something else that maybe I was more passionate about or that would bring me more happiness, which I felt like was, it was just causing a lot of stress for me.
0: Mm-hmm. All within this course of like a cyclical two months, um, I was able to go launch a marriage company and Becca was able to go um, help families through the birthing process and postpartum process. So, it was, was so you did this
2: like trade-off essentially where you didn't have the income, she was your income then you had an income, then she could go after her thing, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so I'm a cynic, a pretty big one. Okay. So Uh, why, how do you get to be like launch a marriage app when you're year three in marriage?
0: (laughs) Yes, I'm by no means the wisest person about marriage ever. so we, our company, or,
1: nearly. or nearly,
0: <laughs> I'm a dum-dum. Uh, so our company is, we, um, we're we a scientific company. I'll just come out and say it. Um, so none of the advice we actually give is from me and it's not from any one therapist. Um, we, uh, you know, Peter Thiel likes to say that every entrepreneur has a secret behind a successful company. And I, I slowly but surely, um, when when The Knot gave us capital to go and discover how to help couples, um, I didn't realize there are really thousands of studies, um, at the university level, at the journey level that have fought couples over 30, 40 years of time and documented via these really remarkable research methods, like why some relationships became healthy and why others gradually weakened and fell apart. And so like what, what we do best as a company, um, working with a therapist, um, we like, we go through all those studies at the academic level and we take all of those like insights, um, and bring them into a very simple application. So the products is 100% um, scientific advice. And we never take one study and say like, oh, this is it. We like, we have to see the same finding replicated across many, many studies. Okay. And so we think we're actually just reading through research on uh, for the benefit of every couple in America. That's the way I would put it.
3: I'm curious behind the scenes, because I know you're tracking everything. Uh, <laughs> what are the top categories that are chosen?
0: Top categories, uh, number one is just about communication. Um, and I think like, that's no surprise because I think a lot of couples just in there, they kind of intuit their way to, oh, wow, we have, we might have a problem. And I think the best way to solve the problem is through communicating better. So I think that's something people come to our app with like that, that pre-knowledge. Um, and then the other three are um, in a very close second, conflict, sex, and emotional connection. Um, and it's not surprising that sex is up in the top four. Um, It is from a research perspective, to be honest with you, because sex is very much like a a secondary area for relationships. And the primary foundational level is the emotional connection, the communication. If those two things are solved, to put it in startup language, then sex usually is not an issue. Um, And yet, like it's such a loaded word and people immediately gravitate to it in the app. And then a close fifth, just for fun, is um, family culture. I think uh, a lot of families want to be really intentional but don't know how. And so they use it as a, as a playbook.
2: I ha- I come from a family that's still together and parents still together. Jeff does too. And so in my mind, scientifically, and all these things, it just kind of says to me, of course, we'll it'll work. We'll be fine. And so I still like believe in marriage. But like so many people, I'm sure especially with the research that you're seeing, like marriage is kind of becoming obsolete like it's not it isn't this force anymore people are getting married like either really later like way later in life or not at all in research so what do you think about like why marriage is still valid why you think it's still important especially coming from your
1: background I mean I grew up my parents were divorced in high school And it was a pretty traumatic event for me, but looking back and going through, even just going through lasting, not to pitch it, but um, I noticed so many things about my parents' relationship that I hadn't noticed before. Just for me, I mean my perception of it, at least, like, I don't remember a lot of physical affection, and that's something, like, that, you know, when we hang out with other friends, and, like, they sit on each other's lap on the couch, I'm, like, whoa, they are showy, but it's, like, (laughs) that's really not that, like, you know, super PDA, Um, but I feel, like, I mean, just little things like that that you start to notice and yeah. you start to think, like, maybe I want that to be different about our relationship. Um, and how does that, how does our relationship look from the outside? Not that I think it's important what other people think about your relationship, but it's just kind of taking a different perspective.
0: Most of the things we do as adults, especially in relationships, are responses to and reactions to the way our caregivers raised us, and the way we saw it modeled for us. Mm-hmm. So when you, like, if you think about it like that, every single thing you respond to, like your partner's negative emotion, their positive emotion, anything your <laughs> partner does is, is rooted in the way you saw it modeled. Yeah. So like, for better or for worse. Yeah.
1: And I think every you need that dependency on someone as an adult. I think what is... Yeah. What's the science behind that? Because I think that that resonates really well with me. Mm-hmm. Is you need that attachment, you need a really secure attachment as an adult, almost mm-hmm. yeah. not more than a child. But
0: totally. If you guys don't mind me launching into attachment theory, just breaking it down for one minute. Yeah, I'll, Becca will hold me to this. <laughs> She's like, she knows. She's, She's like, like, one uh, minute, the thirty
2: seconds.
0: <laughs> so attachment theory is not only widely replicated cross culturally, um, and so it's it's universal. Um, humans are born with this intrinsic need, not even a want or desire, but like a need to connect with others and, and specifically to have a primary attachment. And so like kids are primarily attached to their parents. Um, adults, if they're married, are their primary attachment is their partner. But as an adult, you can also attach to a mentor, a best friend, or still a parent. Um, so not only is that true, but the most um, effective therapy method is called emotionally focused therapy. And emotionally focused therapy, underpinned by attachment, theory is, um, it can save 70% of every single marriage in total distress. Um, so it's, it effectively repairs 70% of relationships that go through it, which really blew out of the water the next closest therapy method, which in the eighties was in the mid 30%. And so it really like doubled the efficacy of therapy and it's all rooted in attachment theory. And now I'm going to go to two minutes. (laughs) So it's giving me to one minute. Okay. So one minute, um, what attachment theory says is that basically like you you need to rely on another person if you're married, you need to rely on your partner in a fully emotionally dependent relationship for safety and security. And it's that sense of emotional safety and emotional security that allows you as this adult to navigate life and regain emotional balance. Like if that foundation is not in your life, then then like your cortisol, your stress hormone is consistently pumping through your veins, you get sick more often physically. In fact, then um of all sick leave in the workplace is a direct result of marital and family conflict. Um, And when we learned that, it blew our minds that this is all kind of intertwined in this holistic health thing. And so not only it makes you physically healthier, it's it's linked to that. It makes you mentally healthier. Um, And then even this, like, I feel like we live in the age of self-care and personal growth. And even personal growth stems out of attachment. Um, If you don't, like, have a healthy, loving attachment relationship in your life, then you take less risks as an individual. You goal set or, Um, you tend to view life in terms of threats instead of an opportunity. Like there's all sorts of, so mentally physically and like personal growth and self care wise, it really all comes back to attachment.
2: What do you think that hmm. marriage component versus like my sister wives I have?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think like marriage relationship is the primary one if you're a married person, but you can be attached to best friends for sure.
1: But were you talking
0: about monogamy versus like polygamy? No. If you no. want
1: to, if
3: I you want to talk about we that, can we can talk about there. that. That's fine.
1: <laughs> we
2: haven't gone there in one of our interviews yet. So,
0: do you have some thoughts on that, Becca?
2: <laughs> nope. Ah.
0: <laughs> and by the way, thank you for letting me get on my my two minute soapbox.
2: Okay, I got another question. We heard uh, through a little bird that you have a no work thinking policy on saturdays
0: we weren't um taking off a full day um in the first part of lasting and i couldn't even like at the time when we didn't take off that day couldn't tell you that it was negatively affecting our relationship or distracting me but i'll just say that like with the full day in place like setting aside time to um like eat junk food go to the movies um have sex like Like a day that is truly like we can enjoy it, and we're carving it out for this purpose, and we're not going to touch work.
1: The all-American
0: dream. (laughs) There you go. Eat cake, have sex, and just kidding. And watch a movie. Um, But like just with that in place, we just we feel like we reconnect. We feel like we we rest, and we're ready to tackle our jobs when the day begins again. And actually, what ironically, Becca's been such a good force of good and helping me calm down. But this one was mine. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. how does that play out does that mean you leave the phone away you hide it you turn it off I mean what is how does that play out in terms of because either way we have these
0: devices um so yeah although we like have our phones on us none of it is for the purpose of work
2: so how do you rest how do you uh instigate that how do you make that a priority in your relationship
0: we have our once a week so full day of of uninterrupted rest. Um, we're really bad vacation planners, just going to be honest about that. We wish we were better. Um, we,
1: we like to plan them when nothing is left and we only have like two weeks. <laughs> you know, there's no good hotels we want to stay at. It's Yeah, we're really bad at actually planning the vacations, but we can execute a vacation.
0: So this was a strike against us. Um, we uh, Our last vacation before last week was like 10 months ago and that was our baby moon for Josie when Becca was eight months pregnant, but we literally hadn't had a nice break for 10 months. And we'd rather like leave the city once every, you know, quarter or six months at the very latest.
1: Rest on Saturdays might just be kind of unapologetically watching Netflix, you know, on Saturday and the next Saturday it might be walking for like hours. Stephen and I are both pretty flexible um people we do have like sometimes we get stuck to ideas of what a day should look like but we tend to I don't know I guess rest for us can look like a lot of different things
0: yeah and I think I think like um I criticized this earlier but I think to our credit we do a very good job at not judging ourselves and how we spend time like Becca said we might watch Netflix for four hours but but we don't like think like oftentimes I think we've fallen into the trap of, Oh my gosh, we should be spending our time wiser than this. But, yeah. but that helps us relax and gear up and shut off our brains for a bit. Um, I like
3: that. Do you ever, uh, this is kind of a unique question to you guys. We haven't asked this to anyone else, but you know, we're doing this project around marriage and kids and all this stuff. It's like, I feel like every so often we get in this massive fight, the two of us in the midst of we're doing this. And it's like, we both go to this place in our heads like, why are we doing anything that gives any advice to anyone else about marriage when we just got in this massive fight, right? Have you guys ever had that experience and how do you deal with that?
0: Oh yeah, so, so that's the thing. Like um, I, I find us being petty, some, like on occasion. And then I'm reminded of the fact that even the healthiest couples on the planet are petty and like fight from time to time. And it's just, it's just a matter of how they treat the fights and then how they repair after the fact. So kind of once again, like we're, we're kind of hit with, we're not trying to judge our fights because every single couple fights, and we, we almost want to start to try and change the conversation on fighting and conflict by saying that conflict is, is nearly universally healthy for couples. Because it, when you're, when, especially when you're in a strong conflict, it alerts you and awakes you to the fact that your partner thinks differently than you which i of all people always get caught in the trap of i'm always right i'm the i'm the center of the universe but when becca so vehemently disagrees about something i'm like oh it like wakes me up for a second and sometimes she has to wake me up to that fact but um it actually is like in the long run a a very good thing
1: it's about the idea of what a perfect or what like a really great marriage looks like i think that idea of a great marriage is probably different for a lot of people and like what one person might call like, Oh, they had like a conflict or a disagreement in front of us or an argument. Other couples might be like, Oh, that wasn't any, like that wasn't (laughs) an argument. So it's like, it's kind of also perspective. Um, But then also just knowing like nobody's perfect and we're also not saying we're perfect. So we don't feel (laughs) like we, um, we don't feel like we have to show anyone that we're perfect either.
3: I think it's really interesting, Becca, you're um, kind of interacting with with, you know, young mothers. And like you talked about the postpartum and the doula. And it sounded like you went to kind of see a counselor post postpartum. postpartum. Um, what advice would you give to others in the midst of that right now that you've learned in, in your journey and working with other mothers?
1: Uh, I think it's accepting who you are. And that just sounds so
0: no, that's perfect. I mean, I
1: think it sounds cliche. People have a hard time
0: accepting it. Them. It
1: really are, It really is not to, I guess the best example I can think of is for like probably three months, like when Josie was from maybe like month two through five, when I felt like, okay, like at this point I should have my act together and I should be like cooking healthy meals. And I, you know, this is what I should be doing. I see other people do this all the time. Like, why can't I do this? And like from ordering meal kits to like planning a whole week of meals ahead, like I tried a few different things, but for me, it was just so defeating. And I don't, I never imagined that like not cooking meals for us would make me feel like a crappy like wife and a crappy mother. Um, But it was really just this idea that I needed to cook these meals in order to be a good wife and mother. And I feel like once I started to accept that, that, you know, right now, maybe later, but right now that is just too hard for me to do. And it causes more stress. Then, then I really started to feel like, you know what, that's not a problem for me. Like, I don't care. Everyone's talking about like, you know, not everyone's talking about what meal they're making, but like, no, they aren't. And so like, why am I so fixated Mm -hmm. on cooking these meals? Like, so we probably eat out like half the time, order takeout and it's not ideal, but right now that's where we are and we don't need to apologize for it. We don't need to beat ourselves up. Um, parents
0: live in such a should culture that they're constantly criticizing themselves for what they should or should not have done. And I think a really healthy step forward, Rebecca was saying, oh my gosh, I don't need to do this. Like we're doing it our way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes- so trivial is that I think just like having my counselor there to help me like work through which I don't know if I needed a counselor to help me get through that but yeah for her just to keep asking like why is that so important like is it really important and I don't know she it was a lot of my work too but yeah I don't know if that helps I think like A lot of it is perspective and kind of just accepting who you are and where you are right now, because think of the ways that you're different from how you were five years ago. Like, who are you and how are you different from who you were then?
0: Uh, So one of the, the most important thing in a relationship is how you connect emotionally on a day in day out basis. And that really like an emotion, your emotional connection, which scientifically is the whole foundation of your relationship. It's not built in a day. Uh, it's built across thousands and thousands of interactions with each other. And so if you think about it like that way and frame up relationships as these dozens of interactions every day, and that never stops happening, um, then I, then the number one mistake that I see new parents make um, is that you've just gone through this massive life stage and yet you try to keep your rituals and the way you connect the same. Like You don't audit and then edit the way you connect um, from point A to point B. And so you you probably you, you literally can't connect the same way you connected before because this baby is this force of like disruption in your life. And so you, maybe you can't have that two hour or hour long walk after dinner now, but you can certainly have that fifteen minute coffee in the morning to reconnect. And even though your time and resources and money um, is going away to some extent, you certainly have still some, even if it's a small amount left, um, to get creative with uh, with how you connect. And so I see the same mistake if, if like with entrepreneurs like um just like a new baby is a life stage a new venture is a life stage and so a lot of entrepreneurs and married entrepreneur families like try to keep life the same even though they're in a new season just like the way parents try to do and so like i think it's contingent upon us to continually step back and reflect and say like i'm in a new life stage uh how can i audit my like connection rituals with my wife and our family and then edit those in this new phase
2: All right, we're on to our final question for you guys is it possible to both pursue your passions stay in love and raise a healthy family yeah.
0: yes but it takes effing work yeah. <laughs> i'm not even kidding so let me like list that said this is not meant to be discouraging gosh let me but let me list just for the sake of it the things we've done to keep our relationship happy um so uh we founded a company dedicated to healthy relationships, <laughs> and, and as a part of that, Becca and I both became trainers in like the scientific process of r- healthy relationships. Becca had individual counseling pre baby and individual counseling post baby, um, as kind of a proactive way of fending off postpartum depression. Um, she's given me several wake up calls about how much my venture has like distracted me in our relationship, and my own identity crumbled before lasting started, which led me to believe that. Like lasting wasn't the end all be all and that relationships come first so just a, a lot has happened to it oh and becca's a, a trained doula so she witnesses couples postpartum firsthand um so it's just like our, our career choices our counseling choices what we've decided to do it's, it's been a massive effort and not every couple has time for and can do everything that more we did. more money yeah. absolutely um but but yeah, we've, we've taken it really seriously. And I think that's the only reason we, we believe it's possible to have a healthy relationship and family.
1: And I think it's also like, it may not be, I think it's about flexibility. So people talk about work-life balance. And I think that's kind of relative to that mm. question. It's like, you might not be able to find a balance that's actually like 50, 50 or 40, 60. So it's, Are going to change regularly so I think it's about flexibility and like being open about your I guess goals and ideas of what what's the ideal state of the company what's the ideal state of our family and then just you know everyone's continuous continuously changing companies everything changes so it's just continuously having those conversations and and kind of reassessing again and again.
0: I'm so happy you brought that up because another thing we did very intentionally is that lasting is a remote company, which means that I work from home and can actually define my own hours um, and don't have to be in an office somewhere, although that might change soon now that Josie's busting in on our conference calls. Um, But literally because lasting is a remote company, um, Uh, There's a lot more time where I can intentionally be with with Becca and Josie. Um, And that that was a very intentional choice. Um, A lot of companies thrive based on collaboration and being together in one spot, but we we think we can do it without that, so we're giving it a shot. (laughs)
3: And now it's time for the breakdown. Oh, my
2: goodness. What are you doing? I'm
3: going to sing it. No,
2: you need to stop. That is so
3: annoying. Babe, I sang to
2: you in our wedding. Yes, but this, you were whatever you're doing right in this moment Hang on, you is were not cry- Remember that moment? You were crying. That's different. That's and different. I was crying, and I was trying to bring us. You got to stop. All right, Should let's I talk sing? about it. You are the love of my life right now. That is what you sang, but we
3: are talking. You're actually kind of <laughs> blushing right now. It's it's taking you back.
2: Oh, here we go. I really... Hang on. You don't even
3: know what you're going to say because well, I got you.
2: You got me all flustered or something, this but I don't Matt, want you to sing. can you leave you the room sing. for a
3: second? We need a moment. Just no. kidding. Here we go.
2: I don't <laughs> want you to sing okay. is what I don't want. Okay. Let me talk about one thing I really liked. I really liked... <laughs> <laughs>
3: You really are closer. What did you really like, Andre Jean?
2: Okay, there's a few things. Number one, I really liked how they talked about how they have no judgments about how they rest. And I think that's really key. I think everybody rests in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we, you and I talk a lot about vacations and you and I talk about travel and stuff, but That's how you and I rest. Right. And that does not necessarily mean other people rest in that same form or function. And that also doesn't mean that financially other people can rest, you know, that that helps or anything. If anything, they might not be able to take those vacations because financial issues. Sure. But not being judgmental about if you're just going to do like a Netflix and chill for the day. Great. That can be rest. Yeah. If you're, if for you, you know, you like college basketball, great. That's your thing. But like, I think however way you rest, if it's a movie, if it's whatever, just to be cool with it and not judge yourself or have judgment towards that.
3: That's cool. I got a question for you. I didn't bring this up in the interview, but I was thinking in the back of my head. He talked a lot about this emotional connection thing, yeah. which it was funny how his wife was like, Uh, a one-minute version, cut it short. She's, okay, two minutes, but no more. Like, you could tell, like, they've had these, like, side conversations. It's like, he just talked about this for an hour, and I am done. Yeah, yeah. We've all been there. Anyways, it it just shows his passion for it. But uh, what's interesting to me, and my question for you is, can you have an emotional connection through an app as a couple? And that, I think, is the interesting thing that he didn't bring up, that, like, If that is what needs to happen through counsel in relationship, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about using technology for emotional connection.
2: Right, yeah, it's a vessel is what I think. Ultimately, it is um, asking you questions that's spawning you to then talk to your partner, which is exactly what this podcast is, right? So people are listening. And they're hearing stories. You and just threw
3: our solution back to me in the question. That yeah, was pretty legit. Yeah. They're
2: hearing, they're hearing things. Yeah. Right. And it's just spawning like questions in their mind that they might want to then go to their spouse and talk about. Sure. And that's the whole point. Like this is maybe one spouse listens to this and the other doesn't. Right. But what can happen is that person go to their spouse and say like, Hey, well, what do you think about this? Or I, I just heard this on a podcast and the same with that app, you know, I don't think they're sitting there like staring at their phone well, and text and, and answering questions just through their phone I and never think, looking at each other and having the conversation.
3: I mean, let's be honest though, I do text you sometimes when the kids are in the living room with us and <laughs> trying to have an emotional connection with you. And it works.
2: You're gonna but, try to make me blush again. No,
3: let's wait, don't just hang on. I do want to say this. What was interesting to me, and my head was spinning as they were talking. There's been a lot of emotional connections through technology with not your spouse, right? Like through sliding into DMs of people, through texting. Like that is a now how people connect with for cheaters, right? <laughs> Am I right? You
2: just said cheaters. What? <laughs> okay, yeah. And
3: but I think it's interesting like most people are like, oh that's bad, but this is actually using technology con- to emotionally connect with your partner in a good way. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think there's just levels to that conversation to keep in mind, like that you can use technology right now to flirt or whatever, to connect with your partner. You could text them right now for good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think it's funny that they came from like the knot, which is the biggest, like, you know, wedding planning website ever. Sure. And, realizing that basically people were planning for a wedding but not planning for a marriage and i just think oh my gosh it is so true today like the weddings today are crazy so glad i'm not and getting married right now so much frigging money so yes much money and how it's all about this big event this big mm. ceremony this big thing and like nobody's thinking about their marriage and he saw that like right he saw that People weren't even going the next step forward of the marriage part. They were just so wrapped up in this wedding planning. I just thought that was fascinating. That uh, that started the idea for this whole, you know, app that he came up with.
3: That's really good. When they started talking about kind of, he, uh, he talked about the number one mistake for couples after kids. Basically, he alluded to these three things that I thought were really important that everyone should like memorize, which is when you're in a new life stage, I first identify I'm in a new life stage, number one. Number two, how can I audit, which is an accounting word, but really it's like how do we assess. Reassess. Yeah, reassess wh- what today is. And we've had to do this
2: All in
3: every stage of life, sometimes every month in yeah. certain stages. And then third, how, do I, how can I edit? So what's, what's my new life stage? How can I audit? how can I edit? And editing means like, what do I need to change given the current situation? Yeah. I'm like, man, if, if you look, if you heard nothing, (laughs) if you heard nothing in the last 30, 40 minutes, but you just learned those three questions, like,
2: look at you bringing it.
3: Just take that. Go, 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 you know what? Go emotionally connect with your partner right now and text (laughs) them those questions.
2: (laughs) Well, it's so funny. It's like we try to live life like we're in this, you know, who we were before, who we were, you know, a few years ago or even a few months ago. And we forget that, like, everything changes. Everything has to kind of die and rebirth and start again and, you know, reinvent itself, you know, and especially they talked about with new parents, right. And new, new moms, new parents. I mean, just think of those like baby stages, how it's like in a month, they're a different kid in a month. It's another, you know, you just start getting one phase and now you're into the next. And so how much you always have to keep, you know, rechange, re-editing, re, you know, every single time. But And once those are done, we still have to keep doing that. We have to keep doing that in our marriage. We have to keep doing that in life like now, Um, even without kids or with. It doesn't matter. Um, But I think you brought up a great point and you made it concise. Look at you in your three-point steps. I like it. No, thank you. Good job, Shinnebarger.
3: We are really thankful for this new app. You can look it up in the app store right now. It's called Lasting.
2: Yes, and it's a marriage health app. Uh, for relationship counseling.
3: Yeah, this could really help you. It's helped a lot of our friends. And yeah, I think it can be an encouragement for your relationship today.
2: Yes. Well, thank you for listening. And we hope you come back and listen next week. See ya. No, don't say see ya. <laughs> This episode was produced by DJ O Diggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.